morning, everyone. All right. Thank you, worship team. You sound awesome. Love that song, isn't it? That God just wants us. He wants our brokenness. He wants uh, a pretty bad package, actually. Uh, and He gives us the best package ever. Um, I'm reminded this Christmas that it's all about the biggest gift exchange of all, of all time, where uh, we, just imagine if you go to a Kris Kringle and then you, you, get a, you get a present and you open the present, it says, oh, this is the keys to your new Lamborghini and a, and a million dollar mansion by the Sydney Harbour Bridge or somewhere, some sort of blue chip real estate. And then, and then the person that got your present opens up this half-open can of international roast coffee. I, I hate international roast. <laughs> That's not coffee. That's charcoal, all right? Yeah. Um, this, it's like that, isn't it? Where we give God our half-open international roast. See, we, we're, we're so terrible that we even dig into the present that it's not supposed to be, that's not supposed to be opened. And God gives us the keys to this wonderful new life in Him. So, so that's Christmas for you. That's Christmas for you in a, in a modern day sense. All right? Um, and, you know, as I think about Christmas through all the busyness of Christmas shows and everything that we do, um, sometimes we lose sight of, you know, just the basics, just what it's all about. And today I really wanted to share with you from my heart a very, very simple message because I want to bring us back to the basics. I want to bring us back to remember what is this all about, what it means basically to be a Christian, all right? It's not so much of, I'm not going to talk about some real big theology stuff because I myself don't even know them, but I can share with you what the basics is because sometimes we get so complicated in our Christianity that sometimes we just need a reminder that, oh gee, it's actually not that difficult. It's actually not that complicated, right? And uh, I don't know about you, I like to complicate things, so it's important that times like Christmas and Easter, no matter how commercialized it is, it's a time for God to minister back to us, yeah. telling us that this is what it's all about. All right, so what I want to share with you is very simple. It's appreciating our God-given identity, all right? We, we have this awesome identity in God, and I just want to briefly mention that I think Jimmy and Beth shared a great message a few weeks ago, which I encourage you to listen to in the podcast, about overcoming our insecurities and pursuing our identity in Christ. And I think that was an awesome message, Jimmy and Beth. Uh, and uh, I just want to build a little bit on what they have shared, um, but I will talk about it in a very much more general sense, so that you can appreciate the principles and the basics of what it's all about. Um, so appreciating our God-given identity. I think what is important right now is we go back to what is identity, right? What, what does it mean to have an identity? Now let's, let's look to the dictionary first, all right? So English language is the most complicated language in the planet, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, and you look at the dictionary and then you say, that, gee, this is like it's contradicting itself. Many times, but oh, I love the English language. Uh, coming from a Chinese man, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
What is identity? All right, in the English language, it says it's a condition of being a specified person or thing. But the next line, it says it denotes individuality and personality. And then the, the third line, it says absolute sameness. So, so you can be unique, but yet you're the same. And then you are defined as something. All right? So what I can see in this is identity is something that is unique to, both, to all of us. We all have a unique identity, but we also have a shared identity, right? So, so identity is like a paradox, right? We are different, but we are the same. Right? And, um, and it defines who we are, isn't it? It defines who we are. I mean, I can't be everybody, you know? Um, you know, I, I'm born a Chinese man in Malaysia, and I can't change my race, all right? No matter how much I'm going to, to go to a fake tan, or bleach myself white, I'm still yellow, all right? I'm, and I'm proud of it, all right? I'm proud of it. I can go to Chinatown and say, you want my DVD? You know? And so, you see? I'm proud of, I mean, that's, that's our definition. That's my identity. And so, I, so do you. I mean, if you're born Caucasian, Italian, whatever, you know, that's your shape, all right? You can't change it. All right, it's in your DNA. All right, blame your DNA. All right, um, but yeah, we also have a lot of shared identity, isn't it? Like we are, we are Australians. We are Port Lincolners. All right, I don't know what you call ourselves, call ourselves, but we are Lincolners. You know, we are South Australians, uh, and um, most of us might have the same kind of driver's license, isn't it? So we have an identity that is unique to us. And also, we have a shared identity. Now, with this concept, I want to bring to you what it means to have a spiritual identity. So, a spiritual identity, what is this? I'm going to put a lot of parallel comparison between our physical identity and our spiritual identity because there is a lot of similarities. And the Bible actually puts a lot of good illustration about what it means to have a spiritual identity. But the most important fact that I need to share with you all today that we will never have a spiritual identity if we are not born with a spiritual identity. All right? The Bible says that we were dead. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we undergo a spiritual birth. All right? So our identity in Christ can only happen through a miraculous supernatural process called spiritual birth. Right? So this is such basic Christianity, isn't it? But spiritual identity is given only by spiritual birth through the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ. Now, just the same as we have no control at all, 100% on when we are conceived, on how we are conceived, and when we are going to be born, or how we're going to be born, or where we're going to be born, right? Now, human beings, we, I mean, we can try our best to conceive at the right time. You know, we are all here because our mom and dad decide to do something, and then we're here, right? <laughs> but it doesn't mean that when our mom and dad say we're going to do something, that we're definitely going to be here nine months later, isn't it? Because there is so much things that can happen in that nine months. You see, we can even go through test tube fertility, and then you can... You can have the, the embryo in the test tube and you implant it back into the uterus, but that doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen. 
you know, things that still, there's still going to be miscarriages. The DNAs may not talk to each other, and then you, you get a, you get a, a non-viable fetus. And so the body has a natural way of aborting it. All right? Now, so we have no control, no matter how human beings say that we, we can actually bring life into this world. It is a miracle. All right? It is a supernatural process. Same way with our spiritual birth, we have no control. All right? So many times in our Christianity, we think that if we say the right prayer, if we say, if we say the right kind of prayer with the same kind of feeling, and, or we, we do this whole set of things, then we are going to be born, or we are going to be God's children. But no, because Jesus, when he said to Nicodemus in John 3, chapter 5 to 7, that I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And he even puts this illustration that humans reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual life. So don't be surprised when Jesus said, you must be born again. See, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Exactly, because we can never explain even our own human birth. We can never truly explain how we are being born, the Spirit. Now, but this is the amazing thing, where we have faulty DNAs, okay? All of us inherit something good and something bad from our parents. Sorry, that's, that's what happens, okay? Yeah, there's no perfect human being. So, um, but, so we, we are born with this faulty DNA, all right? Um, that predisposes to certain things, all right? But spiritual birth is different because we are born with heaven's DNA. We are born with a DNA that is perfect, all right? Because it's from the Holy Spirit, because it's not us. So this, this is what it's all about, people, that we are given a heavenly DNA identity. When we receive Christ, we are given the supernatural heavenly DNA, which is perfect, which makes you and me identical Amen. in many ways because we share the same DNA. So now we no longer have sort of, oh yeah, you are the better Christian than me. But we are all the same because we have the same potential in our DNA, all right? So there is no more excuse for us to say, oh God, I, I think uh, this guy's got more gifts than me and blah, blah, blah. Jesus says, you have the same DNA as him, all right? And, uh, you know, and Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says, you Gentiles have heard the truth of the good news that God saves you. God identified us as his own by giving us the Holy Spirit. So you and I have the Holy Spirit. The moment we say, God, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. We are born, not by our own strength, not by any human process, but we are born through a miracle, a miracle through the Holy Spirit. And that's a guarantee because it's written in God's Word. No matter how you feel and no matter how you think, that doesn't negate the fact that this is what has happened to you. All right? So I can cry my guts out saying that, oh, I'm not a Chinese, but I'm still a Chinese. It doesn't matter what I feel. All right? Like, oh, I don't know whether I'm a man or a woman, but I'm a man. All right? Whether you cry your guts out, I'm still a man. All right? I'm still a Chinese man. Okay? All right? Some identities can't change. All right? So, you know, there, there is... So we, you and I have the same identity. You and I have the heavenly DNA. What an awesome thing, isn't it? Because sometimes you just think about it and you start to appreciate, oh gee, we've got a good thing here. That we've got a good thing here as Christians. I'm so proud to be called a Christian. 
Now, so we are born with this identity, but as you can see with your children, you don't, the ch your, your children don't know their identity when they are born. All they, want to know, all, all they want to do is suck on your breast or suck some milk and then sleep. Eat, sleep, poo, eat, sleep, poo. All right? All right? Eat, sleep, poo, eat, sleep, poo. Okay? So, so but, but they already have this DNA in them. So what happens? Because as we grow, we discover our identity. Yeah. We don't make our identity. All right? My daughters are going to find out that they are Chinese. No matter what. All right? So they're going to be Chinese. So it's the same thing as you and I. We, as we grow which is what our church has been doing all this year. Pastor Rob's been sharing with us about growing. So I'm just giving you like a summary of the, of the whole year. But that we are growing. As we grow, we discover our identity that is already in us. All right? So how do we grow? Just, like, just, just as what we, we eat, we drink. We don't tell ourselves, today I'm going to grow one centimeter. No. All right? We just do what we have to do, and then we grow. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, one day, yeah, I mean, um, my daughter's starting to discover that she has to learn to, you know, poo and wee by herself. You know, but there's a discovery that, ooh, I, it's like, she was terrified. Uh, she was terrified when she first saw her poo in the toilet bowl. Like, oh, what's that? It's like she's given birth or something, but, oh. And she freaked out. Yeah. But this is discovery, isn't it? This is, this, is the, this is the Christian life, when we discover all these things that Christ has given to us. And so we can only grow and mature and discover more of our identity through relationship, right? There is no other way. My, my children will never discover who they are until they have, they, unless they have an ongoing relationship with their parents, with their extended family, with the whole community in general as they grow older, as the circle of influence gets bigger. They discover more of their identity. So it's the same as with us as Christians. We are born into God's family. We need to grow through relationship with God and each other. Simple, isn't it? Christianity 101. See? It's, it's so simple, but yet we complicate things so much. You know, um, read the Word of God because this, time and time again, I think Pastor Rob and everyone that has shared this pulpit say we have to know God's Word. Yeah, that's the only way we feed ourselves. And then you discover that we grow. Like, it's a natural process. Spiritual growth is a natural process. Now, I love it because all of us are a work in progress. And I, I'm so glad that God, who has given us this spiritual birth from the start, which is not of our own, He knows the end product. Even though we don't know, right? And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 is such a great scripture because... The Apostle Paul says, now we see things imperfectly because you and I see things a bit blurry at the moment. So where's my life going? Oh, where's my Christian life going? It's like the puzzling reflections in the mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity in due time. Isn't it? Because the Apostle Paul says, all I know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely. Just as, now, just as God now knows me completely. So God now knows each one of us completely, but even though we cannot see it completely. And so we have to trust God that He will continue to grow us. And there's a guarantee in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says that, And I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue His work 
Not we continue the work, but it, He continues the work in us until it is finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus' return. That means He will finish the work that He, he started anyway. All right? We didn't start this work. All right? We didn't start our Christian life. God started it when we put our trust in Him. All right? And He will continue that until the day of Jesus Christ's return. I like to see our Christian life as a race, a relay race that God has already won. It's like we all start, start in this race and then God has already gone to the finish line. Our job is just to finish the race. All right? Whether it's a crawl or whether it's a walk or whether it's a sprint, just finish it. Because yeah? there are times in our relay race where we are going to crawl. And sometimes we're going to give a commando crawl and like sort of just dragging our dragging our feet, and that's, that's how life is. But God sees it already. He's just asking us to finish the race and not give up. So isn't that amazing that we are born with this heavenly identity and God says that I have started this work and I will finish it. All you need to do is just abide in me, just abide in Jesus Christ year after year, month after month, day after day. Isn't that amazing that the work is already done? Now, what's even greater is that our spiritual identity qualifies us to God's ongoing blessings and an inheritance for a future. Now, as much as, you know, um, you know, other children are great and all, but I will still favor my kids more, and so will you, <laughs> all right? And, but the same way God looks at us this way, as He looks at us as His children, He gives us that blessing only a father can give. Only a father or a parent can give to a child. You know, uh, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, 4, it says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. And not because we deserve it, but in the scripture it says that even before He made the world, He loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. So it's, isn't that amazing that today that I sense that there is, a, there is a theme about God loving us about coming to the light, like what Pastor Rob said and what Carlos has preached, that we can rely on God and God loves us. You know, we come to the light of God's love and God's love changes us uh, because in His eyes, we are, fault, we are without fault. Yeah, because we have put on the Lord Jesus Christ, like how we put on new clothes in the book of Galatians. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, because we are united in Christ, we are received an inheritance from God, just like how a child will receive an inheritance from the parents, isn't it? And He chose us in advance and He makes everything work out according to His plan. You and I have a great inheritance in this life and in the life to come. And God has already guaranteed us through the Holy Spirit you see, I'm only guaranteed an inheritance if I'm, the, I'm a child of my father. And my little thumbprint, my, my, my little finger, fingerprint is going to confirm that, oh yeah, he's his child. This guy is, this guy is that guy's child. In the same way, the Holy Spirit becomes our DNA. And God recognizes it that, yes, this is my child. This is my daughter. This is my son. So this is God's guarantee that we have an inheritance in this life and the life to come. So, uh, so if you look at this, that from the start to the finish of our Christian life, it has nothing to do with us, isn't it? It has nothing to do with what, what I can do. It's nothing to do with what Pastor Rob can do, or you and I can do. It all starts with God, and it ends with God. And our job is to continually rely on Him and never forget our identity. 
Yeah. You can only defend your identity when you, when you realize how precious the identity is. We do not defend something that we don't think has of any value, isn't it? What's the point? Hey? But when we think that our Christianity, this thing that we hold, this faith in Christ, this relationship we have with Christ is as so, it's so valuable, we will stand up for it. We will defend, we will defend it with all our might. All right? And uh, I know that in this, in this day and age, our identity as Christians has never been attacked more frequently, never before. But for us who know Christ and walk with Christ, will we be courageous enough to stand for what it truly means to be a Christian? You know, when the world says, oh, why do you have to do this? Oh, just, just do X, Y, Z. But no, I'm a Christian. You know, I come to church not because I will earn brownie points with God. I come to church because I know it pleases God and I can grow. You see? Um, and if I... If, if I've been hurt in church, which I know that church can be a hurtful place to be, but because we've got human beings, we've got imperfect DNA in works in progress, and we will offend each other, but you know, God gives us grace. But you know, even if you get hurt in church, doesn't mean you throw your whole, your, your whole relationship with God out the window. You see, that is, the, that is the trap that the enemy wants us to think that, oh yeah, the church has hurt me, uh, I'm not going to come to church anymore. It's like, oh God, I, I hate Telstra. I'm not going to have telephones anymore. <laughs> Just change your company. <laughs> All right. Oh God, I hate AGL. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to have electricity anymore. Just change company. You still want electricity. All right. <laughs> You, you see the concept I'm trying to tell you? Yeah, it's the same thing. So if church has hurt you, if you can resolve it, that's good. But if not, don't throw your Christianity out the window. Don't throw your faith in God out the window. All right? Uh, that's like what Pastor Rob has always said, that you know, if there is a church that you feel connected that you want to be part of, go for it. You know, we are all in the same family anyway. There's so many churches meeting in Port Lincoln today, and we are all related one way or another. Like, we are not here to make enemies. We are part of the same relay race. All right? Yeah. Um, so, um, I want to share with you one person in the Bible who identified his, who took his identity as something so precious that he will not budge. All right, his name is Daniel. All right, now, if you look at the story of Daniel, Daniel is, if, I'll give you a bit of a history of, the, of, of what Daniel is all about, but read the book of Daniel to get a better understanding. Daniel is a Jewish boy. So, in the Old Testament, the Jews are God's chosen people. Uh, physically chosen people. Um, and there was a time when uh, the Babylonians invaded Israel and took everybody, like exiled all the Jewish boys and girls uh, and only left the people that, that are pretty weak behind. So Daniel is one of those people that got exiled to Babylon. Uh, he's a Jewish boy who's been educated and knows his identity as a Jew. You know, every Jewish boy has to, most of them have to memorize the five first books of the Bible, of their, of their Torah, and uh, they, they, their identity is drilled into them from, from day one. And this boy finds himself in a foreign land, in the land of his enemies, and he is made to live and dress and talk and eat like his enemies. But Daniel decides in his heart that he will never ever change his identity. That he says that you can change everything about me, but you can even change my name. And apparently, they changed his name, all right? But in his heart, he still says that I'm a Jewish boy. I'm chosen by God, 
and I will not forsake my identity. And that's why he took a stand and said that I'm not going to eat the food offered to idols. I'm not going to eat the Babylonian food that will defile me. And look, God blessed him. If you read the book of Daniel, he's one of the brightest minds in the country, uh, and he served four kings. Four kings. Kingdoms have changed three times, and he's still there. Well, he outlasts four kings. Isn't, isn't that amazing? That so, and all because, not because Daniel decided to go witnessing, every, witnessing to everybody. He just maintained his identity. He didn't even do anything. He, he just lived his identity out loud. You know, he just says, when it's time for me to pray, I will pray. When it's t- when I, it, it is something that, that, that is in conflict with what I am as a Hebrew, I'm not going to do it, even though it costs my life. So he did not compromise in the face of danger, and he continually used his gifts to glorify God. You see, he didn't decide that I'm going to incite a rebellion. You know, he says, I'm just going to use my gifts, spiritual and physical, and God blessed him with good spiritual gifts that he, he saw visions in the future, but he's also probably a very wise man because he served the kings and the kings takes his advice. So he, he used his gifts to serve in a place where he's pretty hostile, right? And he maintained his identity, and his identity became his greatest witness. If you actually look through the book of Daniel, you will realize that he actually witnessed to King Nebuchadnezzar a few times. And I believe that Nebuchadnezzar had a conversion. Uh, if, you read, um, if you read the book of Daniel, I believe that at the end of his life, Nebuchadnezzar became a believer. The most pagan of kings wrote in the book of Daniel that, you know, that he, in the end he decides to say, this is the God of heaven and earth. You know, I believe with all my heart that through the identity of Daniel, through his witness, just as him doing his thing, a king, a pagan king has become a believer. And... Uh, so I want to encourage us all, who, all of us who know Christ, musicians can come up, uh, worship team can come up. In the New Testament, there is another man that appreciated, as I appreciated his identity with Christ. His name is Paul. Um, Paul is one of the most learned men of his generation. He's one of the most powerful men of his generation before he became a Christian. And he writes there, after many, many years, after encountering Christ, he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, and this, he wrote this during a time of great persecution in his life. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yet everything else is worthless. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Can we all say that at the end of our lives? Can we say that even in our everyday living? That, gosh, what I have is so precious that in comparison with everything else in life, it's like garbage. It is hard, isn't it? In our, in our, in our present day and age, in our, in our affluent society, that we, we hold on to so many things. But this is the truth. That when you look at it, when you peel everything away, that you know what is most precious is our... It's our, it's our walk with Jesus Christ, right? Um, so I want to encourage two groups of people. First group of people is, is those of us who walk with Christ. I want to encourage you that when you, are, when you feel that your identity in Christ is under attack through the circumstances in life, 
through the hardships in life, I pray that the Holy Spirit will remind us, each and every one of us, of who we are in Jesus Christ. So that we can take hold of His promises and say that, God, it is you who started this work. I'm relying on you. I will always rely on you. Just from the start to the finish, we will always rely on you. I also want to speak to the second group of people. Perhaps some, some of you here may not know what it means to have an identity in Christ. You think, Jensen, you're talking a lot of gibberish here. It's like, but um, there is a spiritual life waiting for you, a spiritual birth waiting for you. And it is something that you can never achieve through, through your work, through your career. You can never achieve it through any, any kind of human endeavor. You can only achieve it by just coming to God, coming to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you as my God. And I can guarantee you through the Word of God that God will bring out this new life in you, this new spiritual life that you never thought you had. And God has a way of marrying your spiritual life into your natural life that you will find that, gee, I feel complete. I feel so complete. I'm reminded of, you know, there, is a, there used to be a, that this, this uh, Christian children sing along song from, from the Donut Man. And they, there's this there's the song called Life Without Jesus is Like a Donut because <laughs> there's a hole in the middle of your heart and God wants to patch that hole because there is always that hole which is if unless we come to Christ we always have that hole that hole will never be filled with anything else but Jesus and that's how spiritual birth comes on because God is going to sort of seal that hole that you will feel whole so can I can I ask that we bow our heads and then we just respect some privacy because I want to extend this invitation to those, to anyone who, who says that I, I actually want this hole in my heart filled. I want Jesus to complete me. I want to experience this spiritual birth, which is never going to be anything that I can do, but God guarantees that He will do it. And that I will have this heavenly DNA and, and a purpose in life and the blessings, and ongoing blessings, because I'm going to be part of a greater family with a loving Heavenly Father. If that is you, if that is you, can I ask you to raise your hands? Only, I will, only I'll see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see two hands. Thank you. There anyone else? Thank you. Thank you very much. Four hands. Church, shall we pray together? Shall we pray together with our with our friends have, who have said that I want to be part of this family? Shall we all repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've given me the best gift of all, which is your sacrifice on the cross. I receive your gift today. I receive you as my God. I receive you as my Savior. 
And I ask that you will forgive me of my sins and help me walk this new life with you. I thank you that your word says that at this very moment that I am born again, that you are my God and you will complete the work that you have started in me today. Thank you for bringing me into your family. I ask this, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I encourage to the, to the four of you that, that lift up your, that put your hands up, is it possible for you to meet with Pastor Rob and the leaders at which part of the church you are? Uh, in the front, after the service, so that, uh, you know, we can basically, you know, wel- welcome you and, and sort of teach you and show you what, what we, we do as Christians to grow, to grow. But you are born again. Welcome to the family. And...